Welcome to episode number 176 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show created for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to learn how to use social media as a tool to grow their business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. And today on the show, I have Stacy Tushel. Stacy started her business at the age of 18 in her parents' backyard and turned that company into a multi-million dollar business that she still runs today. Stacy is a best-selling author, founder of Foot Traffic Formula, helping small businesses around the world get more customers in the door. The Foot Traffic Podcast now has over 1 million downloads and is frequently the top 30 of all marketing podcasts on Apple Podcasts. She's interviewed people like Susie Orman. Um, Stacy was named the 2019 Wisconsin Small Business Person of the Year, all around great person. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, I'm so excited to pick your brain. I want to start though with your history. So you started when you were 18 in your parents' backyard. Give us the two minute version of how you went from there to where you are today. Yeah. So I was a dancer in high school and I wanted to keep doing it, but I knew I wasn't going to do it professionally. So I started teaching middle schoolers, created a competitive middle school team here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I had 17 kids come to the backyard that year. Within three years, we had a hundred kids still getting dropped off every Sunday in my parents' backyard. And at that same time, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So they were looking at us saying, I don't know anything about dance, but I feel like this could be something, right? And I incorporated back in 2005 and now own two performing arts academies here in Wisconsin. And probably about maybe seven-ish years ago, I started to have more free time and the businesses are doing really well and they're running without me. So I started to consult other businesses, how I've grown and and what I've done with my, my businesses and how I'm not there in the brick and mortar. So I have an online business as well as my brick and mortar business. So it's, it's crazy what has happened over the last 19 years. Yes. Okay. I really want to talk about this, especially during the pandemic that we yeah. just came through. Hopefully we're, hopefully it's over. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you saw happening both with brick and mortar businesses and online businesses and kind of the growth or lack of growth during this time? Yeah, it was really interesting. And, and you know, it's not like, oh, this happened to brick and mortars and this happened to online businesses. It was very different across the board. My brick and mortar definitely um, shot down probably 25, 30%. Like we hit, lowered our gross revenues that much and foot traffic exploded. So it was, it was very, you know, torn. And I coach a lot of different people, you know, some people were thriving throughout it. Some people were taking big hits. I think the biggest thing though, is what was happening in your mind? What was your mindset? What was what were your thoughts that were going on, right? Um, although we are down 25, 30%, we have never looked better on paper. Like our profit margin is great. It just kind of like knocks some sense into us of we 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 know how to do this. We just have to kind of go back to whatever it would have looked like 2017, right? We knew how to be profitable in 2017, bringing in these kind of gross revenues. How do we go back to that? What do we have to figure out? Um, so it, it definitely taught. I think it shook us up a little bit 
kind of got some of us out of some of the ruts we had been in. You know, we were just doing things we'd always done because that's the way it had always been done. And then pretty soon we had to figure out, okay, well, it's a different world. What do our people need? What are they looking for right now? What what can I provide? I mean, we came up with so many different products and services during that time. Did they all work? No, but we just got scrappy. You know, we just, we started to, to really just open up our eyes and say, what do they need from us right now? Yeah. Honestly, we saw the same thing. I actually felt kind of guilty, like, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, owning a digital marketing agency. And we were like, 3xing our revenue and everyone uh-huh. else is, you know, struggling. But I think that's part of the ebbs and flows of life, which is such an interesting yeah. topic to kind of discuss. And it, you're right. It's all in the mindset and how you approach that. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your book yes. that you have. Um, wh- did something spark this, this idea of a book? Yeah. So um, the book is called the implementation code. And it's funny because I was writing it pre-pandemic and I was in the middle of writing it during the pandemic. You know, obviously things change as you're as you're going. And the reason that it sparked in general was because people would say, how do you have so many businesses? How are you looking like you can still attend your kids' school functions and, you know, pick them up from school and all the things? And it, and it looks from the outside, right? Like I have this work-life balance and people are like, how are you getting it all done? So first I wanted to write it because I wanted people to see that you don't ever get everything done. Like there's just no way you're going to accomplish your to-do list every single day. And there's this myth behind it. So I think one of my biggest things is I like to pull back the curtain and kind of show people really what's going on. And it's not as, you know, what is, what it appears to be. But I wanted to teach people how you can get just a little bit done every day and feel good about it and get results from it and feel more balanced than you currently are. So that was kind of what sparked it. Now, what's funny is in the middle of the book, the pandemic hits, and it's it was like right when I needed the, the mindset topic for myself is when I was in the chapter. Or, and I brought it up in the book because how how else could I, you know, how could I continue to write this and not? But it was really about getting resourceful. It was literally the week it hit. It was my deadline for my writer to finish the resourceful chapter and the pandemic hits. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what better week we had to get resourceful. Right. And it just kind of reminded, reminded me of if you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll figure out A, then B, then C, and you'll keep going. If you got to repeat the alphabet, it doesn't matter. You'll you'll just keep going. And so many times we just expect things to be easy and we expect it to have gone faster, right? Not taken as much of our time. And when it doesn't work that way, we think it's broken. I'm broken. That strategy doesn't work. That coach doesn't know what she's talking about. And it's and it just comes down to, well, like, what responsibility are you going to take in that part? Mm-hmm. And I think this leads perfectly into the social media conversation because we compare ourselves so much to other businesses online thinking it should be going differently or faster or it should be easier. So what are some of the things that you think about when that comparison comes up, especially when it comes to social media? Yeah. Well, first you're always comparing people's like performance, I call it versus the practice, right? So you don't see what's happening behind the curtain. You don't see what's happening backstage. You see the two-minute performance. You don't see the six months of work of them prepping that, right? 
So I think we have to really remember that everybody's putting their best foot forward, even when people are being relatable and they're they're sharing that they're not sharing at all, right? You are not seeing all the things. And, and it's not even that we're hiding it. Sometimes I don't think to come on and share something negative that happened today because I really try to stay as positive as possible. So I let that negative thing go and I move on to the positive and I just don't think to post it. So it, it really hurts sometimes my followers who think, wow, this is really easy for Stacey, right? And I don't want people thinking that. I want to be very honest and transparent, but I also want to make sure I remember when I'm looking at other people who are further along than me, right? Well, how long have they been doing this? You know, sometimes you see somebody with a half a million followers and then you find out they jumped on Instagram when it first came out. And I've only been on Instagram like two, three years. So how in the world could I expect the same types of results when I wasn't putting in the same effort that they were putting in, right? So I I think we have to really go back to say, well, what are my actions? And am I doing everything I could be doing to get those results? Or am I idolizing somebody that's doing way more, maybe has a way bigger team than I do, right? And it's not even realistic to think that we're going to be matching up apples to apples. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I want to talk about the team element too, because I think a lot of people compare themselves to the folks on the internet who have the big following and they don't realize there's a team of people creating one post. There's hours and hours that go into it. I see it because we do it for our clients. Yes, yes. You know. um, yeah, I know. So I think that is challenging for a lot of people. So I'd be curious to actually know your process for mm-hmm. creating yeah. your social media content. Um, how do you approach it? And I'd, I'd love to know too, the difference between you know the pre-scheduled, pre-planned content and kind of like that in the moment inspired content. Yeah. The pretty polished stuff is the stuff that's prepped. And the in the moment is when it's like, oh, it looks like she just did that. Like you can kind of feel that. Right. And I think for us, I always say to my team, I have so much content that I never need to show back up on social media ever again. Like that's how much content I have. Now I actually enjoy it. Like the performer in me, I love it. Like, give me the spotlight, give me the stage. Like I'm there. So I enjoy it. But the point is we have so much gold that we're sitting on content wise that we could be repurposing a video that they could be grabbing and transcribing and putting into a paragraph, right? A lot of times people repurpose stuff, but they repurpose it where it's literally taking what I just said right here and typing it out. And the way that you speak on video is very different than the way you're going to write in a paragraph. So we always have to change for the platform or for what we're actually posting. Um, But we do have a team. So please do not look at the amount of content we're pumping out and compare you to me if you're a solopreneur or have a very small team. Um, We this year even have a full-time copywriter. And that was mind-blowing to me. I didn't even know that that would ever be something I would hire. I used to think, what would she do all day? Like, what would she write? And when you think of, well, a post a day and an email or two a week and every opt-in page and thank you page and sales pages and I mean, everything, like the amount of content we're pumping out, text messages, there's words everywhere. Now, what's cool is back in the day when I didn't have a team, I was putting out content like crazy, right? Like going live all the time, putting out my own stuff. There is so much of my words, my content, my story that they can grab and repurpose. And it is my words. I'm not feeling inauthentic about my copywriter writing a post when she's grabbing something I said in a Facebook live two weeks ago. 
and she's crafting it back into that message. So for me, that's a big thing of when am I needing to show up and give live in real time content? And then how can my team work really smart and efficiently to repurpose that content so that I can be showing up even more in a bigger way? Yes. Oh, I love, I love the repurposing as well, because I think a lot of people too look at social media as you're creating content specifically for Instagram, but you're really taking your body of work and just expanding it as much as possible. Yeah. And I should mention, so we have a copywriter, we have graphic design, like we have somebody that's doing that. Um, We have some Filipino VAs that we work with, but then we also have people here in the United States who is our full-time copywriter. We have a full-time social media manager. Um, I'm a big bring people in-house, have them work here full-time, wear multiple hats until they actually can do that one job specifically. Uh, But I just, I love when you can get to that place where everybody has that shared vision and really moving forward faster. Yes. Oh, I love it. That was going to be my next question is who all is working on that? Because like, as your business grows, you do have to start outsourcing that. Did you find it hard to outsource social media the first time? Oh yeah, definitely. And there's so many mistakes and things that I thought, oh, well, this person's doing it. So I don't have to check it. Right. And then you're, you're reading your Instagram and you're like, that's not what I would want to have said, or that graphic doesn't really look like something I would want to post. Right. So I always tell people, You have to inspect what you expect, especially in the beginning. And as you build a relationship, whether it's with an agency or hiring your own person on your team, as you start to go, oh, this looks good. I like it. Okay. I like it. Right. I always say to my team member, pretty soon in the beginning, I nitpick. And then pretty soon it's less of the nitpicking. And then it's like, looks good. Looks good. Looks good. And then like, listen, I've been saying looks good for four weeks in a row. I think we're good, right? Like I don't need to be the one that's checking it and nitpicking everything, but I do believe in giving them the time and energy and attention in the beginning until they're really ready to like fly on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that process too. I think it is challenging to outsource social media, um, especially when you're the brand, right? It's so personal, but it is so necessary. So, you know, when you're approaching social media today, what are you actually contributing? And then what's like, what's the difference between when you show up and your team shows up for you? Yep. So I have a podcast. The podcast is absolutely probably our number one piece of what I call pillar content. So my goal is to show up one to two times a week. So I have a consistent podcast every Wednesday. I give myself the the ability to say, if I'm feeling inspired, I'm going to throw a Friday one in, but I don't have it permanently on my calendar because sometimes I don't know that I have something extra to say, and I don't want to just do it to do it. So my goal is one solid episode a week that I feel really great about. And when I'm inspired, a second one comes out. I always record with video on always. So then when I give that asset to my team, they might reclip it into a a reel or a minute long clip, or they might use it for something on YouTube, right? Like they're going to grab it in different ways and use it in different things like that. So for me, it's like showing up one time, really getting a great piece of content, and then they can grab micro pieces of content from it. So that's one of the things that I do. I am doing about once a month, um, batching a ton of reels. So they'll use, they'll do reels and they'll do it without me. They'll do quotes. They'll grab things from my recording of the podcast. They'll clip them together. They might even like, we've even messaged people to say, Hey, um, like, let's say you don't do a video podcast. You just send out an audio, right? We've messaged people to say, Hey, could we get that video clip? And could we make a reel and we'll tag you in it? 
Most people are like, sure. Especially if they don't have, like, they don't know how to do it or they don't have anybody to do it. And I'm offering my video editor to come in here and clip this thing and promote it. People love that. So we will go back and try to grab those assets. And then of course, what do they say? They're like, oh, could you give it back to us? Cause we'll share it. Like, oh, great. You're going to promote me. Sure. Like I'll give it back to you. No problem. Like that's what our, our team is here to do on our marketing team. So we'll do a bunch of reels. Like I said, they'll grab, they'll grab somewhere. It's already old stuff of me. They'll grab quotes, but then the third piece is me actually with the intention of reels. And I'll actually have my social media manager come over. She comes organized, batches them, tells me what to do, and I show up. Um, That day, once a month, is not just reels, but it'll even be like, let's say I'm wearing this shirt. She'll go, okay, could you do a story about this? I'm like, sure. So I do an Instagram story like, hey, and I'll promote the book, right? So it's very evergreen. She can use it whenever she wants. Now she'll be like, could we get you doing a GIF of like you pointing up and doing arrows? Keep the shirt on, right? So I'm like, yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll be pointing. She'll use it for something later. And then she's like, great, now we're going to do a reel. So I get to wear the same outfit with three very different things, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll go change. And then I come back and she's ready to go. So this sounds amazing when you have a team. I will tell you, I used to not have a team. I used to have to do all this stuff myself, right? I'm in a position where the, the business has grown, where I was able to remove things off of my plate. And this was one thing that um, social media in general, for me, it is definitely a necessity when it comes to marketing. I am so grateful for it. It's not something I naturally, I don't just do my own reels in the morning. Like I don't think to do that. I don't think to to come on and just do a random Instagram story. I tr- I have to like actively put it on my calendar to remind myself to do it. So I always tell people, what is your sweet spot? Like if you love it, you don't need somebody to help you doing X Y Z, right? You just get to decide and pick for for you what needs to come off my plate and what needs to stay. And that's what I've done. Mm, I love that. And I think the customization to figuring out what works for you is the key here. You can't just copy and paste what someone else says mm-hmm. I think, when it comes to social media. Um, you mentioned that social media is a necessity. Talk to me about what metrics and things that you're tracking in your business that like, how do you know that it's being successful and actually helping you grow your business? I know. Uh, I ask this question a lot when I do a live bootcamp, I'll say, how many of you, if you turn, if you stop posting on social media, would feel a difference in your bank account in the next seven days? And most people, there is a handful that will say, I'll feel it. Most people will say, I won't or I don't know. Right. And what a bummer. We spend all this time and energy on social media and we don't even know if it's doing anything for us. Right. So the big thing for me that we're tracking is I always say, like, what are we trying to sell? And then what are we doing or what are the actions we're doing to try to sell that thing? So if if I know that I'm posting with the intent to fill an info session or get people on a webinar, whatever it is, I will look and say, well, what did Instagram do this week to get us those leads? Whether we give them their own unique link so we know, did anything come organically, right? We never uh, mix our organic and paid links We want to know what's coming for free and what's not. So if you have a podcast, like having a unique link for the podcast call to action to see, wow, podcast is actually getting us X amount of organic leads, right? It's really good to have that that information. So I always tell people like, what what is your bestseller? What are you trying to get people to buy? But that's not what you're promoting. You're promoting the thing that sells the thing. So what are you going to do on Instagram to get or on Facebook or wherever to get people to join the thing? or check out the thing that will eventually sell the bestseller, right? So it's it's coming up with those top of funnel ideas of what could I give? What could I share to get people to do this? Now, 
yes, you can sell directly, but that's like 20% of the time. 80%, I want to give value, right? So 20% of the time, yes, I could jump on Instagram and say, hey, I've got a mastermind. If you want more info, hit the poll right here and I'll DM you the link, right? And the poll could say, uh, yes, send me more info or yes, DM me for more details. Uh, and then I can email, I could DM them back with the link of like, here you go, let's talk. Like what what and more information do you want to hear from me? But that's that's 20% being direct. The rest of it is really indirectly selling. Mm, okay. And I love that balance because I love that you said the thing that sells the thing, because yeah. I do think sometimes, you know, as business owners, especially they get so excited about their offer, they're trying to sell that directly, but it's really having that, that nurturing funnel that can really help. Otherwise we tune out. If it's just like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy more of my stuff. Like people don't want to go to your Instagram and check it out anymore. Right. We're just, we're very toned after that. Yeah. I mean, nobody logs on to like, look for an ad. No, <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so what's coming up for you next year? Any fun marketing campaigns or ideas that you're trying? Are you going to try TikTok? Anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So I think the biggest thing that we have learned in 2021 is really diversifying our top of funnel, right? We were very heavy on Facebook ads and we were very grateful and we were it, our, our numbers were just like scaling like crazy. And then this past summer when Facebook, I shouldn't blame Facebook, right? It's the iOS updates, all of that, but it has been kind of a mess. And for us, it's really diversifying, uh, not just, uh, diversifying paid traffic, but getting back into, well, what did we used to do organically that works so well? How do we make sure we're not just posting today on social media? It's actually doing something for our business. So really looking at our organic efforts, really looking at strategic partnerships and relationships of more podcast interviews, more, um, hey, I heard you had a mastermind. Could I come in and do a free presentation to your people? That's the kind of stuff that we used to do so long ago. And I still, obviously I'm here doing a podcast, but really kind of ramping up some of these strategic partnerships and making sure getting in front of that ideal person, that's going to be major for us. Um, we'll continue to pour energy into that, but diversifying paid traffic too, not just sitting on Facebook ads, really looking at where else can we go. I think on, you know, coming from brick and mortar, when I look at some of the online businesses, I see how fragile some of them are. And we really have to get secure. You don't want to be building a business that really is reliant on one or two things that when that thing is taken away, it all falls apart. Even when you diversify with Facebook and Instagram, well, when they both went down, you didn't really diversify. The same company owns them, right? So I think just getting more secure, like we're, we're a grown up business. Like we're producing seven, multiple seven figures a year. Um, we have to really act like that foundational support and and really get solid with that. So I think that's our big thing next year is, is just diversifying there. Oh, yes. And I think the Facebook changes have really um, kind of forced a lot of people's hands oh, yeah. on that. Uh, as a marketer, though, I'm actually kind of happy. I'm like, okay, now we're going to see like a, a resurgence of high quality content, which I think is so needed. Right I now. do agree with you there because many people are being forced out of it, right? Some of them can't stay in the game, so they have to leave, right? And you're right. It's going to force people to step up with even better quality content. And we've even seen that with ourselves. We're like, okay, well, maybe we need better free offers. Maybe we need better smaller paid offers. How do we show up better? And it's what a lot of people are going to be asking themselves. Yes, absolutely. Stacey, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people connect with you? 
Yeah. Well, Andrea, thanks for having me. This was fun. Um, you can find me at the Foot Traffic Podcast. Uh, we do lots of marketing strategies for uh, small business owners, but I'm also big in outsourcing, team building. You're going to get a lot of those strategies too, um, time management, things like that. So you can find me there. Otherwise, any social media platform, I'm at Stacey Tushel. Come say hi. Yes. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes. You can find them at onlinedrea.com slash 176. Stacey, thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to have you. And thank you, dear listener. It's because of your support of the show, we're able to stay in the top 100 marketing podcasts in the US, Canada, and now in the UK and Australia. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We really appreciate your support. I'll be back at you next week with another episode. See you then. Bye for now.